0: Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that
1: heals. hey everybody welcome back to another unveiling grace podcast so excited that you're with us hope you're having a great day great week great month great year i'm joel Grote,
2: and i'm lynn wilder i am really really excited about this one today joel you probably know the last two weeks of my life have been totally turned upside down with the whole hurricane thing my home was flooded we just got home a day and a half ago and yet I would not miss this opportunity for <laughs> anything. I'm really excited to see what God will do with this. And I'm very grateful that Teresa was willing to do this. I've only heard parts of her story, and I'm really excited to hear the rest of us. Teresa Steed, welcome. She grew up in one of the polygamist groups in southern Utah and has had quite an experience um, being with Warren Jeff's group. Welcome, Teresa. <laughs> thank you. and um, Thank you for having me on.
1: We're, we're delighted to have you.
2: And so we're going to hear about her story. But first, I'm kind of interested, Joel, to hear about what it's like um, growing up. I think you said you grew up near Brian Head, right?
3: Yes. So close to that. Anyway, um, so I was born into the FLDS, fundamentalist Latter-day Saints. Um, Polygamy actually goes back four generations on my dad's side, five on my mom's, or all polygamists. So, so we
1: were
3: (laughs) born and bred. And I guess you could say Um, my mom actually has 12 kids. Um, There's actually, you know, you mentioned my sister, but, Actually, there's my mom and several of my sisters that have chosen the biblical. I actually have quite a bit of family out of it now. So
1: wow, that's incredible! Wow,
2: so a broken generation broke broke the yeah. chain, right? that. Wow, that's but it's great. so it's your heritage, but no longer your religion.
3: Yes, and um, I don't know if you've heard very many people talk about breaking generational curses, and I feel like I'm doing that for my kids. So.
1: Absolutely. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, so just tell us a little bit about your family situation growing up then.
3: um, um So like Lynn mentioned, I grew up by Bryce. I actually was born in Hildale, Utah, which is the Twin City right there on the border of Arizona, and um, Utah, where that polygamous group is or was. Um, my dad, I think it was three generations, um, owned a farm about 20 miles north of Bryce Canyon mm-hmm. up there in Johns Valley so that's, that's where I beautiful. grew up it is beautiful yeah. um, that's where I grew up until I was 10 and that is when Rue and Jeffs was still a prophet but Warren um, talked a lot for him okay. <laughs> but my dad was told to sell the ranch and move to, that, um, to Colorado City so
1: Okay. And so the proceeds of the sale, did he have to turn that over to the profit? Yes, he did.
3: So, yeah, um, growing up was pretty just, I mean, I grew up with three moms in the house, one big house with all of us kids running around. Um, Always had a friend. There was always somebody to play with you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I would go climb up a tree and just, have you know my time that was just for me (laughs) because there was always people everywhere
1: no matter where you went so and did the three moms share the parenting i mean did it feel like three moms or did it feel like a mom and a couple of aunts who were staying there what was that Um, dynamic for you as a child no
3: we actually grew up calling them all mother and then their first name so you know my mom was mother sarah um They shared the parenting. My mom taught school. Um, One of my other moms, she did like all of the lunches, a lot of the meals, not just lunches, but a lot of the meals as well. Um, The big sisters, you started making breakfast pretty early on you were pretty young. I started breakfast when I was 11.
1: Okay. Um,
3: And this is For everybody? Yes, so for about 60 people when I
1: started making breakfast. Wow! sixty people. Yes, breakfast. Yes, I mean that's worse than Thanksgiving for (laughs) twenty-five. I and did you? I mean, was that like an everyday thing, or did you like rotate? So when it was your turn, you did it.
3: I probably at eleven, then I actually was just a helper to someone. Um, I think I was in charge of doing breakfast on my own by thirteen. Though, and yes, you just did it once a week, maybe sometimes twice. Depending on if you ended on doing it Sunday, because we rotated
2: six days a week, and then Sunday was kind of a whole different schedule.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um,
2: so you had moved to Hilldale by then, and so we're all sixty of you in the same home complex. Uh, no.
3: So, um, and it may have been less than sixty. Maybe it seemed like sixty. I don't know. I <laughs> like have Sure, I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I had lots of older sisters get married. Um, by that time, dad had three other wives by the time that we moved. Um, so it was a big group of us that moved from like a 10 bedroom, four, five, four and a half bathroom house. We moved into a six, seven, seven bedroom and four bathrooms.
1: So we were very. So more people downsized. (laughs) Wow. We
3: downsized. um, When we moved, one of the things that was, you know, to happen was that dad was to get an add on to his house. So, an addition to his house. So, they started that as soon as we moved, but we did live all together in that small house while they built that.
2: So, can you explain the religious reasons for folks who are not familiar with FLDS? Um, for people living like that Um, I'll try (laughs) Um, okay (laughs) I just know there's a lot of curiosity right
3: yes Um, so we were taught that um, polygamy was the only way you know being a plural wife or a man having more than one wife was the only way into heaven and into the celestial kingdom is what it was called um the way i understood it is that a man could get into heaven but he could not go to the highest degree in heaven without having more than one wife
2: so. well and that's right out of doctrine and covenants yes. 132 which is still in mainstream mormon scripture yep.
1: yes <laughs> yeah in fact that's what we talked about in our last podcast episode we covered um 132 and that whole justification uh for polygamy so then, if a man decides to not practice polygamy, it's not that he's denied eternal life, but he doesn't make it to the highest level. Now, if a woman decides she doesn't want to be a plural wife, does the same thing hold true for her then? She also, there'd be no way that she could make it to the highest level of heaven.
3: That was my understanding growing up. At least that was kind of the way that I understood it, the way that it was taught. Um, is the yeah. The woman couldn't
2: choose monogamy either. Right. So what were the rewards of living the new and everlasting covenant or the principle, right, which would get you to the highest rung of the celestial kingdom? What were the rewards in the next life?
3: So I think you talk about this, um, the eternal family, you know, you, you get to stay together as a family forever. Um, you um, have spirit children. (laughs) I don't know if that's in mainstream Mormonism, but you got to have spirit children and create and build. So a man became a God. He could create and build worlds of his own and um, have children with many wives to put on those earths. That was the...
2: Yeah, I think that answered your question. <laughs> yes, and that is mainstream Mormon doctrine as well, at least how it was when I was in the church, that those were our expectations for reaching the highest rung of the celestial kingdom. We had to go to the temple, though, in order to kind of learn all of the secrets in order to get there and to get that sealing marriage done. Is that true in the FLDS faith as well?
0: Um,
3: so
2: I'll
3: try to get some of this right. Cause I, I don't exactly know, but when they branched off from the mainstream Mormon, obviously they didn't have a temple. So right, true. it was decided that, um, somebody with authority. So it wasn't even elders
2: could marry you.
3: It was, um, and I think right after then it was like, they had, you know, apostles and 70s and people like that could seal you and it didn't have to be in a temple anymore that god would still you know acknowledge that it was you know that it had happened and that it didn't have to be in a temple is what i understood the way that i understood it and the way sure. that we
1: were so taught. the focus the focus becomes more the actual act of celebrating and living plural marriage um, one man, multiple wives, that becomes really the key component. And then, so it, it doesn't need like a bunch of secret ceremonies. It doesn't need a bunch of um, extra baptisms. It's just, no, you live the principle and the people who do that, they get the benefits of exaltation, eternal life, um, which is actually, so was there... well, say, which ahead. is actually a lot closer to what it originally started out to be um, with Joseph Smith that was the focus that was the point of dnc 132 was this is the new this is now the new and everlasting covenant
3: yeah yeah that's yeah that's pretty much and that's what um we were taught is like we went back you know we were the fundamentalists because we back go back to the fundamental principles that joseph smith taught and the way he taught it is what we were told
2: so I was going to ask you, so was it Rulon Jeffs that sealed your parents? Who um, had yes. the authority to do that?
3: So, um, yes, yeah, so later it became that, um, like the, the prophet chose who you married, he got revelation on who should be placed where. So, yes, Rulon Jeffs married my mom and my dad. My mom actually had gotten married before that. She was married to actually my dad's brother, um, and oh, okay. Roy Johnson did that marriage. So mom, by the time that mom um, Thomas was my mom's first husband, then when he died, after he died, mom had four four kids. So
2: then she okay. got married to dad.
1: All right.
2: So so there's no Temple in Hilldale or Colorado City. No. Am I saying that right is it Hilldale it's Hilldale. Hilldale. It's Hilldale. Hilldale. Yes. H yeah. I L D A L E. Um it's beautiful red rock country down there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I I didn't seem to think so growing up, you know. I had come from up in the mountains by Bryce where it was actually lots of pine trees and Aspen moving to the Red Rock was not pretty to me,
2: <laughs> but so at one point, someone with authority must have decided it was time for you to get married. <laughs> yes,
3: um, I was going to say tell.
1: I was going to ask like, at what age typically did that start happening? At what age did somebody with authority start stepping in and saying, "Okay, time to uh, time to get married"?
3: Um, so like for some of my oldest sisters, then um, they would get turned into the prophet. I don't know if you've heard or read any of the other FLDS stories that are out there, but um, basically a, a father would say, okay, I feel like my daughter's old enough. Or even the daughter would ask sometimes, you know, I feel like I'm ready to get married. Can you turn me in so that he can you know, get revelation for me to who I should marry? Um, after Ruland Jeffs died, see Warren had been talking for his father for a while. Um, I don't know how many years. But when he took over, even I think it was right before he took over, um my daughter, my mom's second daughter was 16. And the marriage was kind of interesting, like the rest of us family didn't Go to it we didn't know they were getting married it was kind of all secret okay and it wasn't until after she was married got married to warren Jeffs, um that we knew who she married like we all kind of figured that she was getting married but it wasn't announced to us until after from there on out you know i think it was the next year that or two years later that warren became a prophet and That's a lot how the marriages were, they were just secret. Sometimes the parents were there, sometimes they weren't. Um, girls were getting married younger and younger, and it wasn't anymore that the father decided that they were old enough to or turned them in. It was just profit shows, it changed, yes, right. So Yes. And there wasn't um, anybody,
1: and there wasn't any saying no to the prophet. So if Warren Jeff said, um, your 16-year-old daughter, I've got a revelation. She needs to be my next wife. That was just it. There was no, no arguing, no disagreement, no, she really likes this person over here. It was just, okay, that's, <laughs> it's, it's a done deal. Is that kind of how it worked? Was there ever any pushback?
3: <laughs> I believe that there was pushback from some people. I don't know as far as okay. my dad, what happened. But I, I will have to say this. Um, our salvation was dangled in front of us. Very much so. Uh, so you disagree with the prophet. You know, you're constantly being told. Like my whole growing up, then it was everything the prophet does not says is right. And so if you were to challenge the prophet, you were challenging God because everything that the prophet told us was revelation from God. So, in that sense, I, I mean, I'm sure there might have been some pushback, but it was really just fed to us that he was is God among us, that we should, you know, listen to him as though he was God.
1: Yeah.
2: Did, did you believe that growing up? Did you ever have any questions? Were there any hard experiences? Um, I can't say that I
3: just questioned that. I mean, it was taught to me since I was very young that the prophet, you know, whatever the prophet does and says is right. And, you know, my dad taught us that my mom taught us that and, but they were also, you know, being told that too. And so them not wanting to lose their salvation, then, you know, because we would lose our salvation if we went against priesthood and the prophet, our salvation would be lost.
2: And losing your salvation meant going to outer darkness. Yes, I guess. I mean, it was that you could no longer go to
3: heaven. You couldn't be a part of, you know,
2: an eternal family. Yes. All of that. Yeah. Yeah. So how old were you when did your parents turn you in or did you make a decision or? Um, so I'll start with this. I was 14 when I got married, but I'm
3: going to have to backtrack a little. Um, Warren Jeffs had started the, like he started doing stuff like he wasn't even in Hilldale, um Colorado city. And I might as well just say it. Uh, we called it Short Crick, because that's what it was originally named before the border yes. anyway, so mm-hmm. we referred to it as Short Crick a lot um, he wasn't even there anymore. like he came here and there. he had actually stopped all of the meetings. we were no longer having church um, oh, okay he basically we were you know only he'd started to teach that only the pure in heart and the elect would get chosen. So, um, and the prophet, God would reveal to the prophet who was, um, pure in heart and who, you know, really chose him over all of the worldly things, you know? Um, I think it was maybe around that time when he first started to like, tell us what we couldn't, couldn't wear which is interesting because we already wore dresses. Um, Right. He told us like it had to like no print on it, which is like, it had to be all one color, plain colors. Um, I think he may have said something about the food around that time. Like we were to not eat sugar and processed foods. So uh, 13, 14, may have been 14, when we started to actually try to cook with natural sweeteners, which was maple syrup and honey, um, things like that. So,
1: okay. So I'll
3: tell you, it's very no candy, difficult. There's
1: no candy bars. There's no caramel corn. There's like, yeah.
3: And I, I will tell you, it is very difficult to make good cookies with honey. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: oh, yes.
3: <for laughs> yeah, I was sure. going to
2: ask, like, somebody has to grow and process the alternative, right? Which... You, you were probably growing your own food anyway,
3: right? Uh, we grew our own vegetables and stuff like that. Um, fruits, a lot of times then we would go to big farms around Utah and pick fruit. And people would bottle it up for the winter. I mean, we had a massive store storage room that was just full of bottled goods that would last us through the winter. And we'd okay. start all over <laughs> every yeah. fall. But. Anyway, as this was progressing, um, you know, Warren wasn't really there. Um, people started to go. My dad left; like he told us that he'd been called to go on a mission with the prophet. Wouldn't tell us where or anything like that. He went, and we wouldn't see him for sometimes months. Um, during the time wow. he came back a couple different times, got married to a couple different ladies, <laughs> then left again. <laughs>
2: So,
1: okay. Now, <laughs> okay, so is, is this one, is the prophet, is Warren Jeff stuff setting up headquarters elsewhere? Is this when he's like um, making a transition to Texas?
3: Yes. So okay. that is what was happening, even though like, but you didn't are, know
1: that at the time.
3: Yeah. So, with no um, outside world connection, we didn't like, I didn't watch TV growing up. And I say that like, we didn't watch movies even.
1: Okay. Um, so not just DVD, so, you didn't even have like a DVD player to. Um, um,
3: so we watched home videos, so videos of ourselves or as kids or um, okay programs or plays that people in the church had done, you know, that is what we watched. It was not um, Disney. It wasn't, you know, any of those things.
1: Nothing produced by the world.
3: Nothing. Yeah. So, okay. um, so we didn't really know what was going on, but anyway, after a while then um like some dad took two of the moms and some of the kids and they left and then one night my mom and a bunch of the it was actually all the kids under eight and two moms one of them was mine left um and we didn't know where they were going you know it was an emotional time for us but it was all, you know, part of God's work. And, you know, this is just a, a wonderful thing. We should, you know, the prophets choosing the people who are pure and clean and the elect, and you just need to pray and yearn to be one of those. So, wow. can call you.
1: So, so, little by little, people are just leaving your area, your compound. Yes. Um, we've got about a minute and a half to two minutes for this episode. So, Lynn, where do you want her to wrap this up and move to for our next one? Because we're barely into the story so there's (laughs) definitely going to be a part two here
2: oh i figured this one would take a while just because of my interest in all this this actually kind of intersects with my leaving Mormonism. um so tell me about what year that would have been and we'll tie up there and then we'll start um so my mom left
3: christmas um Christmas Day 2005 and we did not celebrate Christmas by the way we were raised not celebrating any um, holidays but that's when my mom left um it was February February 2006 then the rest of the family whoever was left actually got called to go and it was to a house in hiding in Colorado so there was like this it wasn't talked about but it was kind of a transition like if you weren't quite qualified enough to go to texas to zion then you could go into these houses of hiding like the prophet would decide if you were good enough to go there first you know some people got called directly to texas anyway so 2006 then that's when the rest of the family moved there um and you were how old at this
1: point i'm 14. okay you're just Um, 14 years old
2: yes Okay, and we haven't gotten you married yet, or we. <laughs> <Not> so <yeah. laughs> next episode, we will start with the marriage of Teresa Steed and this whole Warren Jeffs compound down in Texas. Um, and much of this happened about the same time I left the Mormon church. So we will talk about that next time. Teresa, thank you so much for sharing your heart. I know that we have a lot of Christians that listen and I'm sure they're just their minds are blown when they're hearing this. Many Christians aren't even aware that polygamy exists in the United States. Yeah. And certainly yeah. they don't know to connect it to Mormonism and all of that. So We will talk further in the next episode. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. You are so welcome. Thank you. Grace and peace, Joel.
1: Until next time, so long.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggrayspodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggrayspodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.